This is O Ship, the show where experts and leaders look back at their biggest moments of failure just so you can avoid making them. And there is no one better to squeeze the naked truth out of our charismatic guests than your host, Chameleon Collective Founding Partner, Freddie Laker. Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of O Ship. So this week, we're going down a different path. We're going to talk about encouraging mental well-being in the workplace through leadership. Now, uh, this is being brought to us by a good friend of mine and a colleague called Brittany Kleinfelter. Now, Brittany is an accomplished growth marketer who works at Camille Collective, but she's also going through getting a doctorate in clinical psychology, uh, I think graduating in 2027. Uh, all while actively working with clients. She's even managed to squeeze in being an intern at Beth Israel Behavioral Health Services. So needless to say, Brittany's got a lot on her plate. But she's extremely passionate about uh, just encouraging mental well-being in general. And we thought it'd be a great spin uh, to bring in this kind of concept of, of weaving leadership on that because, hey, it's O ship. So when she started talking to me about doing this, uh, and we had got into brainstorming around the subject, I had to remind her that this is actually not the first time that I've talked about well-being or work-life balance on O'Ship. So uh, some of you who've been watching the show for a long time may remember that I used to co-host this with a brilliant entrepreneur called Ben Way, and we got to film all the episodes on the back of his yacht, which was super fun on a side note. And he and I, when we used to do episodes, we wouldn't Put a ton of planning in them. We just, he and I always loved just chatting about anything. So we'd come up with some subjects and then we would just spontaneously go in the middle, like, you know what, today we're going to do one about work life balance. Yeah. And there is actually a part in that episode, if you haven't seen it, where it kind of focuses on my face and you see abject horror strike my eyes as I realize that I basically filmed myself melting down in front of a whole bunch of people watching or ship as I realized I had no ability to have a conversation about work-life balance. So for that reason, we have decided that instead of calling today's episode encouraging mental well-being, encouraging mental well-being in the workplace through leadership, we were going to aptly call this Freddie is forced to talk about wellness and work-life balance again. So with that, here we go with another week of O'Ship. Brittany, welcome to Ship. How are you? I'm really glad we're not on a boat right now. <laughs> it would be very, very, very bad. <laughs> I have to be honest. I do, I do miss, I do miss Ben's yacht. It was, it was pretty awesome. It was, a, it was a nightmare to set everything up, but it, it was fun. <laughs> I don't have his great accent though, so I hope I can be half as charming. <laughs> uh, I think you're, I think you're going to do just, just fine. And I'm sure maybe we can even send this episode to Ben afterwards and see if he can learn anything from it or nothing else. Enjoy mocking me for another 45 minutes. So. Perfect. Yeah, so you know, Brittany. Uh, again, I, I tried to talk a little bit about your your background, uh, you know, in the intro, but I, you know, I'd love to uh, just you know, get your your take on you know work life balance. What does it What does that even mean? I think it's a it's a fun catchphrase that we've been trying to use and make a thing for a really long time, um, and and you hear these variations of like work life integration. 
I'm not sure that there even is such a thing as work-life balance at this point. We're just, we're so constantly connected. We've got, um, you know, right now we've got Slack and Zoom and, and our mobile phones and social media and all of these things just constantly pinging us and demanding our attention, not even considering the people that we have in our actual lives that we're interacting with from a day-to-day basis. Um, so, you know, considering these boundaries around work and life and what all of that means, I think is a, is a topic that is, is timely, especially given everything that the, the entire world has been through in the last two years and very much in need of, of more regular discussion in the workplace. Do you, do you think it's, uh, it, it is technically possible to achieve work-life balance though? I think the boundaries have muddled a little bit. I mean, I've read about this someplace in a book or like it was on the internet or something that apparently some people do have this work-life balance thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think some of us are better than others. Uh, you gave a, a, a brief history to my background. I think we're both juggling very, very busy, hectic lives. Um, but I think there's also a component of being mindful and really thinking about our own well-being and our mental health as we're navigating all of these really muddy waters that's really important for entrepreneurs, for business leaders, for anybody really, um, really taking into account, doing that self-assessment of how we're feeling and how we're doing. That's really the key to achieving any sort of balance or integration that's sustainable for the long term. How, how do you recommend uh, if people are, are trying to achieve some form of work-life balance like Hey, you know, what, what, what do you think is the best first steps to do that? Like, and I don't know if that splits up differently, whether you think about it with, you know, kind of uh, everyday employees or if there's a different spin on that, thinking about how maybe leaders need to interact with that. But I'd love to get your, your take. Yeah, so let's start, I guess, with uh, the business perspective of this, right? How we're interacting with each other in the workplace. It's so easy because of that connectedness to reach out to our colleagues at all sorts of times of day. I can sit on my couch at seven o'clock at night and ping you a Slack message and say, oh, I had this great idea. Um, Is that the right thing to do? Is that the mindful thing to do? Is that creating a space where you have time to disconnect? Um, So I think from a leadership perspective, this is something that we have to enforce with our teams from the top down because our junior members of our team are really looking to us to practice what we preach. I think a lot of people don't think about this. And by the way, I'm super guilty of this, in fairness. You know, it's like, I think when you're a busy person, you start firing off these kind of messages, You something pops in your head, you, you just want to put out there. And I don't think you mean for the other person to work on it. I'm certainly, when I'm firing off messages, emails to people 11 at night, I'm not certainly not expecting them to respond. But people forget, in the, especially in like in a, in a uh, seniority boss, you know, uh, person maybe coming up through the ranks and, and someone more senior, uh, or potentially very senior message to them, there's this incredible amount of pressure to want to make them happy or impress them or whatever the all the feelings that people, I think, you know, self-impose upon themselves. And, and you know, maybe when you've been a leader, you don't think about this stuff anymore. And, they, and people forget. It's like, oh, my God, the CEO just emailed me. And, and, you know, and, and it's disruptive. Or even if they don't respond to you that night, they're thinking about it. And, and, and we shouldn't be doing that to people. 
Yeah. And, and I very much encourage, you know, you, you have to be sort of responsible for setting your own boundaries, right? Like you can turn Slack on to do not disturb between a certain set of hours. You can block off your calendar when you have to address personal needs. And, and we all have those things. We have doctor's appointments and family obligations and just things that take up our time that are going to interact with our day-to-day life at work. But on the flip side, the, the folks that are just starting out in their careers that are looking to leaders, um, they're, they're looking to you as a, as a role model. And I mean, the collective you, all of the, all of the leaders that watch this call. Um, and so, and so that's something that we can fulfill from our side, right? When we have that idea at 10 o'clock at night and we think, oh, I just, I just have to get this out. I just have to write this down. I'm not saying don't do that. What I'm saying is, we have schedule button, buttons now, so you can schedule that email to send out at nine in the morning the following day. You can set your Slack message to send and schedule at certain at certain times of the day. Um, I'm really guilty of getting up and starting work at five or six o'clock in the morning sometimes, and and I catch myself doing it too, right? I'm thinking, oh yeah, I here's my checklist for the day. I've got to get through these things, and I start typing, and I'm thinking, wait half the world is not awake yet. Let me make sure that I'm scheduling that message so that I'm not interrupting somebody's morning routine, that sort of thing. You know, this, I don't know if this is terrible or not, but it, it's uh, a lot of those scheduled message you know, functions, they're highly marketed uh, to people saying, oh, well, it's, it's really about you know, catching people, a lot of times in sales or business development, catching people at that opportune moment uh, so you're at the top of their inbox. And I think there needs to be more time spent saying, by the way, this would also be a nice way of having some kind of you know boundaries with folks. Uh, you know, it's funny. Obviously, I I, I don't mind. I've never mind poking fun at myself, and I certainly um, you know was going to do that when reflecting on that last episode of Oh Ship. But even I've uh, come a long way since then. Uh, yesterday was actually a, a big day for me. Uh, I didn't, didn't you know t- maybe timely with this week's episode, maybe even inspired by this week's episode without even you know talking to you yet. Uh, but a very, very, very close friend of mine who's been a business partner as well. And, and, you know, he and I kind of have no boundaries when it comes to just kind of working all the time. I actually was like, can you not call me about business after 7 p.m. anymore? Normally I start at 7 in the morning. So after, after 12 hours, like, I kind of think it's fair game, like not to want to talk about stuff. And he goes, well, you never take my calls at night. And I said, well, I know it's because I don't want to talk about work. I said, I said, if we, if, I said so if you promise me it's only going to be about good wine, travel, our wives, uh, technology, gadgets, uh, superhero movies, then I'm in. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so so we, we made it we made a deal. And but it sounds it's, it's silly little things like that. But having those, I think those kind of boundaries are important. And and uh, and, and you've got to be able to break it up. I, you know, one of the other things I've changed recently in my life, um, the last couple of years anyway, I've actually turned all notifications off on my phone. Uh, so, uh, there's, you know, when I want to look at Slack or I want to read my messages, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I'm fully engaged in all that stuff all of the time now anyway, but in that, but I don't want to put, you know, message. I'm not, I'm just not going to get the notification. If someone needs to get a hold of me urgently on the weekend, they actually need to call me now. Uh, because I just, I, I can't look at that stuff anymore. Noted. <laughs> exactly. You're like, good, I haven't been ignoring you, but you never message me on the weekends, so because you understand boundaries. <laughs> There's just too much going on to even think about messaging you. No offense. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'd love, I'd love to kind of dig, dig into this uh, a, a, l- a little bit more, uh, well, a lot more, frankly. So uh, 
one of the other concepts that you mentioned, and I just want to kind of get these definitions out there for, for people that maybe this is a new subject for, um, you also talk about mindfulness. What, what is mindfulness uh, you know, defined? I could probably give you like a blurry, stuttered version of this, but I'd love to hear like, you know, what the kind of classic de- definition is. Yeah, so um, I think mindfulness often gets conflated with meditation, and mindfulness is kind of the result of meditation. Um, so they're very different things. Mindfulness is the sort of the, the being present in the moment. And there are, there are so many people that have been researching this for, for many, many decades, um, one of which is Dr. Dr. Ellen Langer. And she just did this wonderful podcast interview with The Atlantic magazine. Um, and I wrote down one of her quotes last night, and I was really hoping to use it today. So thank you for the segue. Um, she wrote, or she said, when you stick to your predictions, you're limiting yourself rather than expanding your universe of possibilities. And so as she was talking about this concept, I like to think about it as, you know, when we're kids and and well into adulthood, we we're always thinking about the future, right? We're like, oh, when I'm 16, I can learn how to drive. And when I'm 18, I can register to vote. And when I'm 21, I can go out and have a drink. And then I'm going to graduate from college. And then I'm going to do this. And, and here we are, we're adults and we've got our passion projects. And we're going to do this new project. And then we're going to get this increase in our career. And, um, and then all of a sudden, we're 80. And then we're thinking backwards. I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have spent more time with my family. I wish I would have uh, taken that trip abroad. I wish I would have done all these things. So where is it that we actually get to live in the moment? And it doesn't always have to be pleasant. It's not going to be pleasant 100% of the time. But what, what are the things that I can do to feel aware right now where I am in this moment? I love that. I do think there's, uh, uh, you know, to your point, this healthy, uh, unhealthy syndrome of always kind of looking for the next, you know, next big you know, thing. Um, and people don't stop enough, uh, uh, you know, to, to kind of appreciate these moments and, and be really present. You did also say, I like in your example, hey, what am I going to be doing uh, when I'm 80? I appreciate you think that I'm going to make it that long. So thank you for that. If you if you practice mindfulness, so this is the great thing. Um, I know in the when you try talking about this with Ben, he said, you know, can entrepreneurs really have work life balance? And I would argue that it's essential. So there's even research that is suggesting that mindfulness increases the gray matter in your brain. And so if you're not familiar with this concept of gray matter, gray matter um, contributes to learning, a memory and cognition your emotional regulation, and even aging. So if you can increase that gray matter in your brain through the practice of mindfulness and being present in the moment, you, you all of these potential benefits can come from it. And we don't want to conflate that either with look at all of these wonderful things that can come out of it because that sort of defeats the point, right? But there are benefits to actually practicing this and, and being aware of what's going on right now. Uh, you know, again, I, I do crack, obviously, I crack a lot of jokes about this, but, you know, recently I've, I've moved states. Uh, I'm trying to get myself, I think there's a, a, a natural buzz of energy that's all around us, um, you know, when, and, uh, and it gets harder to disconnect from that. Sometimes that's a physical buzz of just the hecticness that's around you. Sometimes that's just being hyper-connected in the digital space. 
but um, I have actually been uh, been trying to work on this quite a bit more myself. Uh, you mentioned that clip with Ben. I think using specific reference of being an entrepreneur for a moment, it's it's really hard to find balance. Entrepreneurship, like your business, has no boundaries, you know, and and uh, I guess you you know you can it does it does on some level and it should, but it, then it doesn't because you know sometimes it, it just decides. That it you know it needs something needs to happen and and you can choose to ignore it, but it could it really really impact you. And as an entrepreneur, I feel like you know I, I'm I'm a I'm a CEO that believes that like you're in service to the people that 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 work for you. And so you know I'm in service to the my my clients. I'm also even more so in service to the people that that work um, within the business. And so like I, if I don't respond to the things, if I don't feel like boundaries are there. And sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm letting all those people down or, and, and it may not just be like a feeling I have, but it literally might negatively impact them um, because, you know, the, all, all roads kind of lead to the, the founder, the CEO, and, and, and someone's got to just make sure that they're making these things happen for everyone else. Is that an incorrect way to think about things or what's what's your kind of take on that? Yeah, no, not at all. In the human services field, um, we have this concept of, you can't take care of other people unless you first take care of yourself. So it's really important here that we practice what we preach. We can't expect this ultra high consistent output, this grinding pulse from any of our employees. It's unrealistic. And so if we don't expect that of them, we also can't expect that from ourselves. When we're rested, when we're mindful, when we're really taking care of ourselves, that's when we're ultimately going to be you know, doing our best work. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think you and I have talked about this recently that you've got some newfound hobbies in your, in your spare time on the weekends that are, that are really helping you to recharge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've certainly noticed a change in your energy too. So I think there are things that we can do that, that so, sort of start to support that. Let, let, let's riff on this for a second. And by the way, I want to quickly pause before I go, go down this path. Uh, with a lot of engaged people in chat, whether you know watching on any of our live streaming uh, you know, channels right now, if you have questions uh, that you want to ask Brittany or I, please feel free to put them in the chat. Uh, Johnny Cape, who's tuning in through YouTube, uh, said he's just read uh, the book Zen in the Art of Archery by Eugene Harrigel. It's the best book on mindfulness craft he's ever read. Uh, so you know, if you just want to share thoughts like that, and you've got questions about it. Please do. You know, this is an interactive show. We're very, very, very happy to engage with you. So, uh, going back to kind of the the you know question I, ha- I had before, when you start thinking about uh, uh, you know being an entrepreneur, or actually it doesn't matter in, in any role, and you're super, super busy, and maybe it doesn't feel like you have work life balance, but you're still having fun. Is that acceptable? Is fun? Does fun mean you're balanced? You know, because it might be extreme to someone else. I, I don't, I just, that's really not a loaded question. I, I just something I was thinking about. One thing that I ask myself when I'm constantly doing all of these things, and I actually have one specific friend that constantly checks me. He says, Brittany, you're always so busy. You always have something to do. Why are you doing so much? And so I would say um, to any of our viewers, it's great if you're having fun. Uh, what is it that you're trying to avoid by having so much on your plate? It, what is so uncomfortable about trying to sit and just be still for a moment? Um, we're not talking about meditating like a Zen Buddhist for hours and hours and hours every single week. 
We're talking about um, maybe having a, a cup of tea in the morning or a glass of water and, and sitting there and think about the, just the act of having that glass of water. Mm-hmm. What is that experience like? Or, you know, walk around your house and you're doing chores. How many of us have our minds wander around as we're washing the dishes or folding our laundry? I was doing a pile of laundry last night and I was thinking about all of the other things that I have to accomplish. And I'm like, wait a minute, this is the perfect opportunity to be mindful. All I have to do right now is fold laundry. I don't have to do anything else. Let's, let's just take all of that off. Yeah. Clear your mind. I, you know, I have been, uh, yeah, I've been going out in the woods and, and, uh, got this waterfall, uh, that I've kind of obsessed with. I've been going out and visiting and, and, and just sitting there and, and being in that moment. Uh, and, but I have considered, uh, doing like, you know, you know, kind of hours of meditation and stuff because I w- watched this movie, uh, Doctor Strange. It was not actually a self-help movie, surprisingly, uh, but I don't appear to be able to levitate or do any magic. So I'm not necessarily seeing the payoff in like the super long meditation periods. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I, uh, I, I think that is well beyond my pay grade, even <laughs> when I get that doctorate degree. <laughs> Not a traditional doctor either. Threw me yeah. off. Threw me off yeah. there. So, so all, all jokes aside, what what do you think are some very practical uh, things that people can do to to practice uh, mindfulness? Uh, maybe even in in a work environment. So there are a couple of different concepts that come to mind. One is if this is something that really, really excites you and you want to dive into it more, um, there's actually a program called Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Training. And this is a concept that was created by John Kabat-Zinn at UMass um, Memorial. Um, it's an eight-week program that meets once a week, and then you have a uh, one full day on a weekend, and you learn how to do this, right? You start with, and I don't want to give away the, the secret sauce, but you start with like the most simple of a group activity and experience it together and then talk about what it's like to do this thing that we all do all the time and what it's like to be present. But some of the things that I mentioned earlier, do the, do your dishes tonight and just do the dishes. And if you see that your mind is wandering somewhere, bring it back to the dishes. It, it seems like such a mundane thing, but over time, this is going to build up you know that, that skill set of when you're in a high stress moment, how do you pull yourself out of it? Um, so we want to do things like that. Um, there are a lot of great apps that you can use. Calm is one of them. Insight timer is great. Um, on the insight timer app, there's one meditation that's called a full body scan. And you basically, uh, you're, you're seated or you, uh, lie down somewhere in a comfortable position and the narrator is going to walk you through each part of your body. And you're only thinking about that part of your body for a few seconds. Um, and, if you practice this over time, you'll actually notice different areas of your body where that, that tension just completely dissolves. And so it's it's been very helpful for people that are holding a lot of stress physically in their bodies. And again, in those conversations, noticing when that tension is happening mm-hmm. when you're in that stressful moment. And one more thing uh, that actually uh, I learned last year, I was in the middle of these really difficult client conversations. I was having this weekly call. It was early in the morning. And after this call, I would just feel so stressed. Um, And so someone suggested to me, Brittany, just get up, go to the bathroom, wash your hands. And the physical act of washing your hands, leave that conversation and then go back. And now you're not carrying that negativity or that Mm. feeling 
with you into the next conversation and putting mm-hmm. that on the next person you have. Well, it's like your, 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 it's like your, your brain connects the dots between these things. And then even if it's just psychological, what's it say? I, I love that. There's so very, uh, tactile about kind of you know this this kind of mental cleansing yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna pop uh, one quick question up from the audience uh and we're gonna answer that and then i'd like to talk a little bit more about mental health and then kind of change gears a little bit so we've got a question from the audience says what if i feel guilty when having fun because the time is not so productive should i perceive positively on this so uh, to to Masa uh, who left this comment, I would I would I would ask, why are you feeling guilty? Why are you feeling guilty about having fun? When I have conversations with folks that are just starting out their career, and they maybe make a mistake, and it's you know it's like anxiety inducing the first time that you make that first major mistake. The reality is we've all done it. There's you have a whole podcast devoted to oh shit moments, right? Like we've all made these huge mistakes throughout our careers, and so when those things happen, uh, what I hear from those those colleagues is 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 Brittany, I will work harder. I'm going to try harder. I won't make that mistake again. But I'm not worried about you making that mistake again, and I don't want you to work harder. I want you oftentimes to pull back, right, and create that space again for yourself where you can come back to work with a clear mind and take that time and go have fun, it will ultimately lead to you being more productive. You're here. I totally agree with that. So let's change gears a little bit. Uh, The last couple of years have obviously been totally bonkers, uh, to use my most professional assessment. (laughs) I'm sure that's how they describe it uh, in your your university studies as well. Uh, And you know, you've been experiencing that both as a professional uh, in in the space and, and watching you know, even how we've dealt with it, but just seeing it with everyone else. But you're also now learning about this in an educational environment while uh, you know, acquiring your, your degree. What's your take on, on this now, from now multiple professional angles, if, if you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and really the, the internship that you mentioned earlier was really eye-opening for me. So that was working with mm-hmm. folks who are in recovery from uh, substance or alcohol use. And a lot of those conversations are really challenging. These folks are coming with a lot of trauma and the, the human services professionals are, are starting to, you know, you, care, you can't help but carry a little bit of that with you, even though we try to create that boundary and we, you know, we, we're in it for a reason, right? We have that empathy, we, we care. So uh, human services, the mental health professionals uh, really have to, to walk the walk on this. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to be entering into these careers for those of us that are just starting out on our journeys. And for those that have been doing it a long time, there's a lot of little rituals that we do. Exercise, um, some kind of physical movement. It doesn't have to be intense. Go for a walk, step outside. You don't have to go and do like CrossFit for hours at the gym. Just take a walk around the block. The meditation that we talked about earlier, I think sometimes people back away from meditation because it sounds like woo-woo a little bit, um, but it doesn't have to be. It can be as simple as listening to a waterfall, ambient sounds, nature sounds, and falling asleep to that at the end of the day. Screen time, turning off your devices at a certain point of the day, and I'd say the same thing with the news. I think it's important to be informed, but it only goes to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. Be mindful about who is taking up that space in your head and who you're inviting into your inner circle mm-hmm. and, and what they're sharing with you. That's your space and, and you need to, to, uh, to, to take that in. 
we've, we've had the pandemic. We're now witnessing these horrific, horrific things that are happening in, the, in Ukraine, halfway around the world. And that's affecting people in, in, in so many different ways, whether you're Ukrainian or you have somebody in the country or um, you are a, a member of a group that has experienced this sort of cultural trauma in the past. It's, it's affecting mm-hmm. a lot of us for different reasons. So it's so, so important to take that time for yourself. Well, one of the uh, questions I, I'd like to dig into a little, a little more specifically is, I think when you look at the last years, uh, there's you know people. I, I've, I've, I've had multiple people in my own you know, personal close close circle pass away from the illness. I don't mention for fear of getting blacklisted by Facebook or <laughs> Google's monitors. Uh, so I'm always careful about that these days. But. Uh, uh, you know, I've had you know, dealt with some multiple deaths there. I think a lot of people have been dealing with, you know, sort of kind of isolation issues. And then I think now people are dealing with a kind of re-socialization and, and some of that comes along. And then you, you get, you know, not just seeing all the horrific things are there, but worried about the future again. So, you know, I think people that maybe are, were struggling with depression, maybe dealing with it even more. And, and the reality is, uh, and just speaking bluntly, as as I always tend to do, you know, I think mental health is such a sensitive subject. It's something that, as I'm speaking now, as a, as, a, as a leader, that you know, you don't feel we don't have uh, you aren't going through this degree you're going through. We feel you know it's, it's hard enough to be able to talk about some of the social issues that are out there today without feeling like you're going to uh, take the wrong step and trying to be really sensitive to it. I feel you know just personally even more unprepared to other than being able to have a lot of empathy as a human being and, you know, and, and my own challenges have gone through my life, but, but it's, it's hard subject. And I, and I, and I'd say, you know, I guess, is there any advice you could give to, to leaders when maybe they see someone struggling? How, how do they, how do they approach that? Especially if you, if you're just really, really uncomfortable with this, this subject. Yeah. I think the one thing that leaders can actively do is listen and listen for the space in between what somebody is saying to you, where those uncomfortable pauses are, where you see somebody that their body language has changed or they're just not themselves. You can pull them aside and just say, hey, how are you doing today? And then actually listen to what they have to say. Don't rush. Don't run down the room to the, the hallway to your next your next meeting. Um, just listen to what they have to say. And you don't have to say anything more than, I, I, I hear you. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry. The, the second thing that if I can encourage leaders in any organization to do is uh, really look at your mental health benefits. We shouldn't be afraid of the word therapy. Um, therapy is for everyone. It can help everyone. And I would say if you're not experiencing depression or anxiety, uh, it's a perfect time to sign up, uh, right? Start finding somebody that you you know, resonate with. Um, sometimes that takes a little bit of work to find the right person that you mesh with. Uh, but often working with them before something horrific happens is the best time to start talking about mental health. Um, and if employers and, and corporations start looking at their mental health benefits and treating it like a regular health benefit at, rather than this supplement, it will encourage your employees to make use of it and not feel like there's, you know, a restriction in place that is prohibiting them for financial reasons for taking taking advantage of that. Well, well, not a scientific uh, study, and we're about to do a survey sample too. But 
what, how do you do you feel like in the last couple of years because all of us have been connected more in our personal lives by all working from home and, and kind of it, it's become a lot more intimate in, in summer and at the same time well, I'll be less personal because we're not interacting you know together but it, certainly the barriers between work and home I think have, have blurred for a lot of folks do you think it is it more acceptable now to talk about mental health than it was three years ago or about the same or or less so I think we're getting there. I think we have a lot of work to do, and I think we should be talking about it more. Certainly within the boundaries of uh, your HR guidelines and HIPAA and, and all of those things, making sure you're not disclosing somebody's you know, diagnosis to, to the rest of the group. But it's okay to encourage folks to talk about it and to reach out when they need help and really show if you're going to do that, you really have to show that you're listening. You can't just say it and, and have it fall on empty actions. Uh, so I think we're making progress, but we still have a long way to go. Yeah, it's funny. I am well, nothing, nothing funny about it, but I think uh, just speaking of my own personal experience, I feel like it's it's happening now more than it ever has before in terms of uh, the conversations I feel like I'm having because I do feel like there, and, and maybe it does feel something more comfortable or something that's more top of mind for me because I'm, I'm constantly thinking about, you know, it's almost like this like group, group trauma or all these things that are like really impacting people's personal lives and, and how that might be stressing them out or, and how that might impact them personally. And frankly, how that will impact them at, at work. And, and, you know, and I guess I don't think there's ever been a time in my career where I felt uh, more responsible that my my role as as a leader wasn't wasn't just the business side, but that to be super 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 conscious of of people's personal lives and, and personal well being. I, I do feel like you know ten years ago, you know if, you know if you it, because life felt just a lot simpler in many regards. It was kind of like well if you're having a problem, I'm sure you'll figure it out on your own, and we we don't need to talk about it because you probably don't want to talk about it either. And and you know it's going to be great. Yeah, you know, you're not gonna. It's not gonna spill over to work, and good luck. <laughs> you know, I don't mean that in a nasty way. I just don't. I just think it's. It just feels so much different. I actually like it better now. I like. I, I for me personally, I like that we're talking about these things. But I also, uh, again, every every person's different. But I, I, I feel better when I have some insight and in kind of like how people are doing. You know, inside and outside of work, and and, I, and if that helps them, and we can help them on multiple fronts, and that makes me personally happy. Yeah, I think I think we really need to think about how our words are coming across, right? I think in the business world and especially in consulting, we're so pre we're so um, conscious of our time. We're we're conscious of the hours, down to the hours or minutes sometimes about how we're utilizing our time. And I think that then starts to change this message into something that's negative of, "Oh, I can't talk to somebody because they don't have the time." We have to make the time and we have to start treating people as humans and not as just a means to a business deal. Right. Um, and so just really, really engaging in that one-on-one -on -one conversation is, is going to be huge for us as we move forward. So uh, I guess, Brittany, if you flip things on me, uh, is there any, any questions you'd ask me on my, on my take on things? Yeah. So uh, here's a, here's an exercise that I think is, uh, is really interesting. And again, coming out of that podcast interview that Ellen Langer did, there, there's been recent research that, that has shown that if you take a trip to somewhere and you are taking photos, because we now have these, these wonderful little high def cameras in our pockets at all times, 
if you take a photo of something on a vacation and you have an intent on posting it on social media later, it actually negates the experience that you're having. Mm -hmm. So I would love for you to right now, tell me about an experience, describe a memory in as much or as little detail as you want to share that's positive that comes to mind where you had no digital distraction around you. That is a great question. I'm actually going to, I think I'm going to surprise you with this uh, answer. Okay. Uh, for a guy who is hyper digital connected, uh, I, I, lo I love photography on a side note, but, but I, like whenever I go on, uh, on holiday, uh, the first thing I do when I arrive at the hotel or wherever it is I'm staying is I turn my phone off and I put it in the safe or a drawer or my bag and hidden away. And I try and go days and days and days without, without my phone now. Uh, so, you know, when I think, you know, some of the, my favorite, most recent ones of that would be uh, in, I guess, three or four years ago, uh, not that recent, I guess, um, I took a three-week uh, three trip across Asia uh, with uh, my, my, my wife, my, my, one of my best friends and his wife uh, for his 40th birthday. So we went to Japan, I uh, went to uh, Bang uh, Thailand, and I uh, went to Cambodia. And, uh, and just tried to stay completely disconnected. And, and, and because of that, I feel like we, you know, when, when, when we're in the restaurants or, you know, just absorbing and walking down the street, you know, you're not constantly thinking about the next Instagram shot you want to take, or I'm not, you know, trying to think about anything other than other being kind of, you know, present in the moment. And I think because of that, I became more conscious of like, I don't know, just like you could be at a restaurant instead of, when you know, staring down at my phone trying to read the news, I'm just watching other people eat or watching the servers wander around or looking out the window. And and I think I think this is so important because especially when you go and you're traveling around the world and you're like still screwing around on Facebook or something, it's like, come on, disconnect for God's sake. Like you're not gonna get I can you can do that at home. You only get one time chance to like soak up those smells and the feelings and 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 you know, I love it. I'm I'm very um uh, century connected. So like even here in, in, uh, in North Carolina, where, you know, where I recently moved, I was just talking, saying with my, my wife uh, a couple of days ago that, uh, now that the spring is coming, it smells like England. I know that's a weird thing to say, but I don't know if it's the type of grass that's in this region or something, but something smells like England and it kind of connects me to my, my childhood. And I really, really love it. Anyway, small tangent. <laughs> to the viewers, you could you could see your face light up as you started thinking back to that trip of Thailand. Like your whole your whole facial structure changed as you were describing that. And I've got memories of, of like that from my travel experience too. Um, and what I would say is, as humans, we naturally have this tendency to gravitate towards the negative. It's just it's a survival tactic. It's what we've been evolving and designed to do. Um, but we also have such a, a the, this wonderful ability to recall these wonderful positive memories. So on a day where you're maybe not feeling so great, or you turn on the news and you're just like, oh my gosh, this is absolutely awful. You have that ability to recall and pull back these mm -hmm. beautiful, wonderful moments um, that are just going to light your face up. But you have to be mentally present to have that memory recall, in my yeah. opinion. You have to be mindful. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is why so much of life now maybe feels a little blurry for folks because we're so, you know, half in the, in in this thing all the time. It's like, are you really, really absorbing things around you? And 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 um, you know, for a guy who's a kind of an you know inf infamous multitasker, the reality is if you if you're doing too many things, you know, at one time, 
where you might feel incredibly productive, you're not really truly absorbing or experiencing any one of those things um, really well. I think, you know, while I respect that multitasking does need to take place uh, in some roles and in some jobs, I would really encourage anyone out there to, to you know, echoing your sentiment from early, Brittany, it's like when you when you if you're finding if you've got an opportunity for a new experience, or frankly just something that you know you find great pleasure in, even if that's doing your laundry, you know, be be all in on that on that one experience. Absolutely. So, Brittany, I, I want to uh, challenge you with one 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 last uh, question. Uh, so, uh, if you could give any advice uh, to any people out there who are maybe earlier in their career, you know, we've talked a lot about leaders now, and uh, that is a little different, you know, I think from where some of the things we addressed earlier. So, someone who's maybe just coming into the workforce, and maybe they don't have some of the core skills to dealing with mental health or, or well being or work life balance, like what would be some good pro tips for someone who's you know, just just coming into the to their careers early on. The hardest thing that you will do when you're starting your career is to set those boundaries and to stick with them. It's so hard to say no, especially when you want to crawl up that corporate ladder. But it's so important to preserve your mental health and to ultimately make sure that you can sustain whatever job it is that you're doing for a long period of time. So figure out what it is that you enjoy in your free time. Make sure that that, that's a hard line, but nothing takes precedence over that. What are those things, right? And then make sure that you have an open line of communication with the people that you report to. If you get a deliver or somebody is assigning you a deliverable, understand what the due date is, understand the urgency. And if there's something that isn't going to work out, make sure you're openly communicating that back and forth. So the setting of the boundaries, I think, is the, the biggest thing that somebody can do early on. And I think ultimately you'll be more respected for following that passion and that desire and that urge to um, create that space for yourself. Great advice. Um, and, and you're right. It's really, it is extra hard to set those boundaries um, when you're coming out there because you, maybe you don't feel like you have the power to set those boundaries. Uh, so uh, really, really, really great advice. Brittany, is there any place if people want to connect with you or learn more about you and any place that people should be thinking about uh, trying to find you today? Uh, LinkedIn is the the best place to go. Right now, I, I do write about, a lot about marketing, but I think over the next couple of months, as we dive headfirst into this uh, mm. this next phase of academia, mm. um, you'll see a lot of uh, things coming out about psychology too. So I'd be happy to take questions or uh, connect over LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, uh, this again, great, great, great episode. I really, really appreciate your time. And uh, for those of you who've been tuning in, uh, I you know, appreciate uh, all of the great comments. We've been watching them the whole time, kind of blurring by. Uh, whether you're watching the show live or you're watching it uh, afterwards, uh, we appreciate you taking the time. You know, it, the best thing you can do to support our ship, uh, if you're on uh, social media, uh, you know, share uh, this episode. If you're watching, click that subscribe button or that like button or that follow button and make sure you're getting all the future content from us. And if you want to watch this afterwards or prefer the audio format or know friends who'd enjoy the audio format, please check, you know, find O'Ship on any major podcasting platform. We're there and you can get the audio only versions uh, of this, uh, this episode and, and all future ones. Uh, so thank you very much for your time, Brittany. Thank you again uh, for 
being here today and and uh, really inspiring me and 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 sharing some really helpful tips and and uh, you know having a, get poking a little little fun. But I, I think I feel I feel like I've yeah. <laughs> I think I've evolved. I'm, I think I did better than Ben. Ben was 2018. Ben Ben Webb. So, I love so, it. Send it to Ben. Yeah. Make him feel yeah, better. I, 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 not one time did I kind of catch a look in my eye where I was like. Oh, no. yeah, and where I definitely like, I'm telling you, there's a freeze frame in that other video where you can, I can, I know my own facial expressions. I saw total panic hit me as I thought, oh my God, why did I select this, this subject? <laughs> so, you did it. You did it. Yeah, so thank you again, everyone, and keep watching O Ship. The O Ship Show is brought to you by Chameleon Collective, where we lead, scale, and adapt to build and grow great companies. You can learn more at chameleoncollective.com. Freddie will see you next time when we will once again be raising the sales for the O Ship Show.